0: What's up podcast listeners, this is Dr. Bailey, episode number 11 coming at you. This one is going to be controversial, and that's the goal, to advance your health. So things that your doctor should be telling you, and in this episode, I'm going to sit down with Dr. Kenna. Uh, we're going to have a couple glasses of wine, and thanks to Michelle for the Austin awesome Hope. It's definitely delicious. And this episode, I think, is worth a share. If you think something positive or negative about it, share it, because that's going to get you thinking uh, either one way or the other. So I really want to thank all our listeners for uh, downloading and continue to share so that we can hit 1,000 by the end of the year. Interesting. We, we talk about um, this time of the year is that cold and flu season and you know this podcast from adventure health we're gonna get into some of the seasonal stress that you might be experiencing but you know in the podcast that I'm releasing about the kind of one-on-one truth about this it uh, takes you along the journey but this is the fall time so we're in October looking at November and um, would you agree there's a lot more stress this time of the year? Absolutely. You know, think about like today's weather. The The sun wasn't out, there was a lot of rain, it was really gray, it's yeah. kind of a weird, one day it's cold, one day it's hot. Yeah. You know, you, your body's under more of a physical stress too. Absolutely. Kind of just dealing with that environmental impact.
1: And it's the fall, so everything is sort of falling away anyway. Like the time is changing, the nights are getting longer, it's getting colder. But also, I feel like from more of a relational and emotional perspective, a lot of times this is when things heighten for people. It's getting close to holidays. Everyone's thinking about spending time with family, which is often stressful relationships, and so that kicks in the stress response, which decreases the immune system.
0: Hey, what's next week? What, uh, what what's a big holiday?
1: Halloween.
0: And and so every year we all celebrate this awesome holiday. It's super cool when you're a kid and as an adult you get to share the, the fun and festivities but what's the number one goal if you're a kid it's like get as much massive amounts of candy in your bag at the end of the night right yeah, yeah. so you know responsible parents aren't gonna let your kid eat candy all all in one sitting so what do you do you let them have a little bit every day a little right? bit every day so i had a ration um and i knew yeah. where it was so i would actually kind of steal some and like kind of like sneak it and like put it in my room and um, I would to like, hide wrappers, and, and it was funny because my mom was like, did you eat that Snickers bar? And I was like, no. She's like, there's a wrapper, you're left. <laughs> but where I'm going with this is, we were talking about um, kids' cupcakes today, and uh, one of our patients brought cupcakes for her son's birthday, and realized the mini cupcakes had 42 grams of sugar in them. So yeah. what do you know about the sugar in the immune system? Does it help it or hurt it?
1: Absolutely hurts it. Every time you ingest sugar, you're decreasing your immune system function Anywhere from three to at least five hours.
0: Yeah. So. so
1: if you're having it breakfast in your fruity pebbles or your I don't even know what they have anymore. I
0: Lucky say. Charms.
1: They like, like you used to have like
0: Fruit Loops, Apple Jacks.
1: Like Oreo cookies or something? Yeah, yeah. Like that was in a, um in a, in, a, oh, in a cereal. Who or was
0: something. that guy? That was like the Robber guy, and
1: Count Dracula, yeah. and all that
0: stuff. Yeah, totally.
1: And then you have, you know, a dessert for lunch, and then you have a dessert for dinner, and and then you have a snack in the middle of the afternoon when you go home from school, and all of these things have sugar in them. So you're every three or five hours, you're just adding, or you have a Coca Cola, oh. or even like super strong fruit juices that have the high fructose corn syrup.
0: Sure, every every bit of that every food plan. has sugar, and and, and sugar exceeding your, your exceeds your body's ability to to Metabolize it so when your your high blood sugar is is that way every day all day and the the days are shortening, you've now got less vitamin D from yeah. you know less like su- sun. Uh, sun exposure and it's colder. I grew up in Michigan, so you had to put more layers on. So now literally your face is the only thing exposed. Um,
1: and it really takes full body exposure at the height yeah. of the sun, mm-hmm. twenty minutes a day to get enough vitamin D from the sun. Right. I have not. Aside from maybe not even a handful of patients who live in places like Florida, I've never seen anyone be in a normal vitamin D range that isn't supplementing with vitamin D.
0: Interesting. Unless they
1: live somewhere like Florida.
0: So supplementing vitamin D is, I think, an important part of this time of the year. And I I read it somewhere, and it's funny, I think I read it in like a CrossFit journal but they were talking about like some of the essential nutrients you need to ingest. And I guess there's vitamin D receptors, like on every cell. Yeah. Like the vitamin D is really important. So we, we used to think vitamin C was the jam, right? And it is, but apparently it's um, ascorbic acid is the same structure as sugar and they're interchangeable to some degree. So in the catalyst reaction, um, it's the substrate I think is the, the term for it. So it unlocks, the, uh, the reaction, and so when sugar's there, it takes ascorbic acid's place. But if ascorbic acid outnumbers it, it takes sugar's place. So that's why vitamin C works effectively at boosting your immune system. It takes the um, the place of sugar. So if there's low vitamin C, sugar replaces it. If there's low sugar, vitamin C replaces it. If the diet's proper, um, and I and I think it's really important that people understand that you know supplementation is really an important part of staying healthy. And we're gonna get into a really controversial topic in a moment because where this conversation is going is we're gonna give you some tools that you can do things at home and on your own without going to your medical doctor and getting stuck with a needle. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people, they think that's the only option out there. I was listening uh, at a radio ad. It said the cold and flu season is here, exclamation point in their voice go get your flu shot because you need to stay healthy this year. They made no mention of lifestyle. So, you know, even in the sixties and seventies, I saw studies over the years of research being done on how exercise will boost your immune system. Holy cow. Imagine that. If you move more and exercise more, believe it or not, your immune system is more active to fight things like bacteria and viruses because bad germs, bad luck, bad news from the doctor isn't the reason you're sick. It's, understanding our conversation today, you're starting in the month of October, which happens to be one of the crazy busiest holidays for sugar consumption, I think of all year. And yet we're gonna blame a flu virus when you're basically taking that same house from our last discussion, our last podcast, you doused it with gasoline and kerosene, left the burner on and all you do is throw a match at it and it blows up and you and you blame the match, but there's so many combustants. I mean, uh, you think about your lifestyle. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I think of vitamin D as something being very important for chronic immunity. It is sort of the immune modulator. So it's managing, monitoring, making sure everything's functioning the way it's meant to be functioning. And so I think it's very important from a long-term perspective that people have high vitamin D levels. Vitamin C is really good for acute immune stimulation. And the other thing to consider is it's very important for stress response. So again, we're talking about like stressful times of the year, not just stressful emotionally and and perhaps relationally with family members and holidays and things like that, but it's stressful on on the body physically with temperature changes that are extreme. You're you know we were at like. 80 degrees last week at one day, and then the next day it was 50 degrees, was the high, and then we were back to 75 degrees,
0: 46 one morning, and and rainy, and then
1: yeah, it's all over the place. And so any kind of that's a physical stress, and so vitamin C is actually stored in the adrenal glands, which is our major sort of stress response organ. Interesting,
0: Uh interesting. And I feel a lot of people have adrenal fatigue.
1: Oh, absolutely. You
0: know. So
1: you know, and one thing just like is an easy thing for people to think about. Vitamin C is an easy thing to find. If if the acidic aspect of it affects your stomach or um, urinary tract or anything like that, you can get buffered vitamin C that minimizes that. But your body really only absorbs about a thousand milligrams of vitamin C at a time. So if you are using it acutely, cold and flu season, stimulating things, take a thousand several times a day. You'll get to a. Place of bowel tolerance where you start to have loose stools. You know,
0: too much is too much when you're in the bathroom a lot. Exactly. So then just back
1: off a little bit. So if you're doing it five or six times a day and all of a sudden you've got loose stools, then go go down to four or five times. Yeah. But that's a good thing to do um, just for that acute stimulation. And there's a ton of other things too. You know, Echinacea, zinc, all sorts of stuff. But I
0: think this podcast, we need to go in this direction (laughs) further because um, I think I figured something out. And I, and, I, and I think taking the high road is always the best road. <laughs> and, you know, and I say that because I, I really want to go in a direction right now with this podcast, but I think it's a knee jerk reflex. And those people who know me know that I'm a knee jerk person, um, but I'm going to mention it right now. So I was listening to one of our previous podcasts that was released on Tuesday, episode 10. Um, I actually listen to my own podcast so I can better and, and improve for you guys as listeners. Um, I was amazed and shocked to see that our podcast logo, if you recognize it, it's a really cool watermark logo. Um, Thanks to Kendall. She's an amazing artist. But that that cover art was covered up with a drug ad. And when I saw it, I was I was appalled for one, because my message and voice to you all as an audience is that we want to avoid more drugs and, and unnecessary surgery. So that's kind of the direction of these podcasts is, hey, can we steer away from that stuff? Whereas there was somebody profiting off of my my content and my original ideas, and I was, I was downright f-ing pissed.
1: Not just somebody, but a drug
0: company. And of all people that wanna cover up my message, it's a drug company. And, you know, this time of the year, we started to look into some statistics about like flu shots and stuff like that. Because, you know, the conversation we we're having earlier, and this is a question for, for our listeners, why are flu shots free? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why did we have pay for them years ago? And I all of a sudden it's a free, it's a free medication or whatever you want to do. It's a vaccination. It's not medication. But... And,
1: and why are they recommended for every single human being from six months old to death every single year? Right. It didn't used to be the case. Right. This is all a new thing.
0: You know, and we talk about the the big one in 1918. That was like the big Spanish influenza. Yes. And for those listening, it killed like 100, a, close,
1: about 100 million. Yeah, 100 million people in, people in,
0: in, in a few wow. years. And, and from my understanding around the world, it no, like. I
1: don't even think it was years, was it? I, thought, I think it, it was like a pretty short, it, like six month time period. Sure.
0: In in Nearly 100
1: million people in the the States.
0: Yeah, so, and and I get that there's, you know, gonna be some viral um, outbreaks and stuff like that. But, you know, what's really interesting is our conversation about where people who survived that went to, they went to naturopaths and chiropractors, which is a really cool um, observation that we both noted in just our research, because we've spent the last couple of weeks digging into different areas like kind of what's going on and you know so we want to basically come to you guys with some current information some statistics and things to be aware of um you know my biggest concern with any type of medical intervention is know your risks would you agree i mean if there's a risk of surgery don't you sign a waiver absolutely but yeah the flu shots just literally given out for free at some pharmacy drugstore, mall i've seen them everywhere i mean i've literally seen flu shots being given out just in like massive crowds and like parking lots and stuff like that sure
1: and they don't give you any list of possible reactions or sign this so you know what your risks are if you do take this or you don't take this and by all means we're not suggesting that you shouldn't have a vaccination for the flu or anything else but the, the idea here is, you go to the grocery store, you decide what you're gonna pull off the shelf and pay for and take home and put into your body.
0: Interesting, because don't you read labels when you go to the grocery I store? Do. If you're healthy, I, mean, I, I do. do. Um, if Absolutely. it's got soybean and canola oil as the number one ingredient, put it down.
1: If it has high fructose corn syrup, that's genetically modified, yeah. put it down. And So many things yeah. that I'm not picking up because of the ingredients. Sure.
0: So why don't we direct why you guys? If you would uh, like to learn a little bit more in a neutral scenario, the NVIC.org has a great website. It's the National Vaccine uh, Information Center, and basically, it's a. Uh, it was established in 1982 from some um, DBT vaccine injured uh, children's parents. Um, and from my understanding, they actually died. And so they wanted to go to Congress and say, hey, listen, there's something we need to get going on. And it's informing the public. So in 1986, they actually formed um, the VAERS, which is basically where you report side effects. You have up to 15 days if you have a reaction. So this is an interesting conversation that came across my office tableside just last week. And timing is everything in this podcast, which is super awesome. Um, patient's mom went to go get her flu shot and her um, pneumonia shot. Well, they were nice enough to do one in each arm. She's a she's an older patient. She's um, I think in her late 60s or early 70s, and she got bilateral. That means both of her shoulders became frozen the very next day after the the, the vaccinations. Let me ask you: um, Would you think that's a coincidence if you got two shots, one in each arm, and then the next day you couldn't move your arms in the same? muscle region that was basically infected with this vaccination.
1: No, not a coincidence to me. And here's the thing that I also find very fascinating to speak to what you're saying on the cdc.gov website, they have recommended adult immunization schedule and it's a six page document specifically for 2019 on page number one, you have some of the main vaccines that are recommended on the left-hand side of the page. But again, this is a six-page document, so that's just the most important aspects of the document. On the right-hand side, it talks about where you report, what inquiry claims you need to, to do, and, and then questions and comments. So on the first page, it's telling you suspected cases of reportable vaccine, preventable diseases.
0: So. You're on that CDC website, and I'm currently looking at the NVIC uh, download that I did. And you know, it's funny, the list of known risks, the bottom of the list is deltoid bursitis, which would be what she's basically experiencing. Um, But working up the list, it's syncope, which is what, like lightheadedness and fainting kind
1: of thing. Fainting, yep.
0: Um, Inconsolable crying, shock, an unusual shock-like state, um, death. Oh, they just they just minimize it. Death from just smallpox, polio, and measles. Just don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, you can get the smallpox, polio, measles, varicella, which is um, what do they call those when we were kids? Chickenpox. Chickenpox. Thank you. That um, that becomes just a straight up infection. Thrito- thrombocytopenia, acute and chronic arthritis. So I can get arthritis from vaccinations. Um, brachial neur- neuritis, which is like arm numbness. You know, that's, don't worry about it. Gillian-Barr syndrome, which uh, um,
1: misery.
0: That's complete misery. Um, febrile seizures, which is that, another yeah. podcast. Uh, a firefighter got a call from a kid that left the pediatrician and went to Walmart, and mom had to call uh, EMS 911. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he basically said that wasn't his first time either. Like that was one of multiple calls, and he'd only been a firefighter for like 10 years, but he said, This is not the first time. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just say that the next three symptoms are at the top of the list. And the first one's brain inflammation and encephalopathy, and, and which means your base, you're basically your brain starts getting swollen and you're uh, having some major issues, chronic nervous system dysfunction. So when you look at where vaccines are really affecting the most, they're crossing the blood brain barrier. Yeah. So people listen to this. You inject something into your bloodstream, it bypasses your stomach, your liver, your mucosal membrane. Those are your three defense systems that allow your body and your skin, but you're injected in through the skin. But that's the way your body protects itself from harm, you know, allergens and and basically the bad stuff. You know, we have a shell and it's going through the shell directly into the the main source. And when you cross blood-brain barrier, would you agree that that's directly in the most sensitive Bioabsorbable tissue. I mean, the human brain absorbs its fat base and a lot of the fat-based substrates and chemicals attached directly to it.
1: Yeah, anything that's going to cross the blood-brain barrier has potential for major harm. I mean, that—that is—that is our basically the brain of our body. I mean, literally, it's 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 managing and functioning everything. And it's interesting that you talk about this kid and the Walmart and the and this isn't the first time that your EMS provider has seen this. I'm just going to read a little something here, that in a series of reports published between 1991 and 2013, the Institute of Medicine affirmed that scientific evidence demonstrates that vaccines can cause injury and death, and that some people are genetically, biologically, and environmentally at higher risk for being harmed by vaccines but doctors do not know how to identify who they are before vaccination. So then we see that as a pure example with this little boy at the Walmart 20 minutes after he leaves the doctor's office. Even so, continuing my quote, federal health officials have narrowed contraindications to vaccination and eliminated almost all health conditions from qualifying for a medical exemption to vaccination. So even though they are clearly aware that this can happen and that people are susceptible and it's hard to know who is or isn't susceptible, they are decreasing the coverage of people that can exempt from vaccinations because of the concern for a medical illness.
0: You know who can't be exempt? The military. Yeah. Let's talk about this Let's for a moment. let talk about this. <sighs> So for all you listening, um, I take care of the general public. I have a a lot of different types of patients. Well, I've happened to cross paths with somebody that's in the military um, who's very open to chiropractic and natural healing. Uh, He and his family see me and they are very, very health conscious, eat clean, move clean. Um, Probably the fittest military family I've ever known. and so we started talking about vaccinations one day and the question actually, I think he posed it, he said, doc, you know, I got all these crazy vaccinations back in the military days and, you know, everybody getting sick and having all these these different issues. And he's like, what do you think? You think some of that might have caused my, my neuropathies and some of the problems I'm having now? And I said, well, quite frankly, there's, there's evidence that suggests your nervous system, which I just described a moment ago with your brain and your central nervous system, chronically being dysfunctioned, that, you know, there's and there is an option that one of the side effects could, in fact, be some kind of nerve damage. And so here's an individual who has access to the VA health system, which do you know much about the VA health system? It's not top level notch. It's, it's really
1: sad. It, 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 it really is. And I'm These not people are putting their lives at risk for our safety, and security and freedom. And they are treated like literal
0: in in a future podcast, I'll probably nah, I'll probably bring this said individual on because we're gonna we're gonna launch a new project to help veterans get off opioids. When we know that chiropractic can reduce your need for opioids by up to sixty four to ninety percent, as according to the study just came up two weeks ago, um, you're twenty eight you're twenty times less likely to require back surgery. Um, so I'm gonna go to the VA and we just got kind of we just did all the paperwork in our office, so like we're now gonna be able to treat like like people from the base and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Um, but where I'm going, this topic isn't a tangent. It's actually the next direction is the military forces a lot of their, all of their people to be vaccinated before they go to wartime or just getting into boot camp? I mean, these guys are giving like 20 to 30 inoculations.
1: I mean, let's also consider the history of the fact that LSD was first used on military to try to control their brains
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, you can
1: this is like factual information that you can look up. The original studies with LSD was can we control them and make them basically like robots to what we want? And it was determined that that was not something that could be done with LSD and now it's you know, a schedule one drug, but that's how it was originally being studied.
0: Well, a conversation we had earlier is I mean you have a large population of people that are mandated to do what you tell them.
1: So let me read this to you also. okay, Dr. Bailey. Um, So many believe that the epidemic, and we're talking about the 1918 Spanish flu, which we talked about earlier, 100 million people um, died in the States, um, that it was actually considered to possibly be a vaccine reaction. Army vaccinations became compulsory in 1911. The death rate from typhoid vaccination rose to the highest point in the history of the U.S. Army. US Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson reported that seven men dropped dead after being vaccinated. He also reported that 63 deaths and um, 28,585 cases of hepatitis were a direct result of yellow fever vaccination during only six months of World War I. According to a report in the Irish Examiner, the report of the Surgeon General of the US Army shows that during 1917, there were admitted into the army hospitals, 19,608 men suffering from anti-typhoid inoculation and vaccinia. That's actually not what I wanted to read to you.
0: What was the last word, vaccinia?
1: Uh-huh. Is that a real
0: vaccinia. word? Did you make that up?
1: I did not make that up.
0: Um, you know, it's interesting though, when I've had, so that's two, two conversations in the last week about vaccine reactions. But I look back over the years, and I've had quite a few, and patients are really open to telling me when they have a vaccine reaction, and and it's funny because I can't report it because um, it's 15 days later, or past 15 days, which is the, the the time frame. So even if you look back on it and you say, hey, I had this really really crazy flu shot reaction, and I'm starting to hear a lot more people. Um, one of my friends I met at uh, Tough Mudder event, um, she's an EMT, she's up in uh, Pontiac, Michigan. funny we're facebook friends and she's like worst flu shot yet or something like that and i was like what the are you doing like why she's like i have to for work because she's completely clean like wants to live healthy naturally but as an emt she has to get it and she's like oh my god it's wiped out for like three days yeah and i was like huh that's funny you say that because and that's supposed to help you like it is getting sicker making you stronger i mean what if i was to get the flu shot and then I got sick, but what if I got the flu and I got sick? I'm still getting sick either way. Well,
1: right. But, you're mounting you're mounting an immune response.
0: Again. So I'm a chiropractor and we don't really, we don't really get taught much in, in school because we just move bones and crack backs. The um the immunity. So there's different types of immunity, right, Kenna? I mean, so there's artificial, which is something you acquire through a shot or vaccination, and there's natural, right? Is that like like you encounter the direct threat. So yeah. what do you think is more effective? If I was to get it on my own, or if I got it from a, a fake MSG and
1: formaldehyde-filled shot? No, absolutely, get it on your own. So this is the thing too, and, and when you look at children, and you see the immune response that they mount, and everyone freaks out because, oh my gosh, my, ch- my child has 102 fever. That's a healthy immune system. That's what we're supposed to be doing we as, as adults have such suppressed immune systems that we don't mount big responses we don't have high fevers but fever actually serves purpose Yeah. it stimulates the immune system to kick into high gear it creates an inhospitable environment for the virus or bacteria or whatever it is that is which ingested. Is list,
0: listen to i think podcast early yeah probably one one two or three i think we we talked about dr um, doctor from morehouse you know and he specifically he's got a phd in physiology i think that that was was uh, episode number one he literally was like 102 to 103 is when viruses and bacteria will become basically like asked to leave the body and it kills them yeah
1: but what do we do as soon as we start to get a fever or our child starts to mount a fever we immediately give them tylenol to bring the fever down because we don't want there to be a fever because we worry about like brain damage but we're putting brain toxins into the
0: yeah, formaldehyde, Alba High, oh, wow. MSG, uh, thimerosal. That's another fun one, right? Uh-huh. We looked, we we played a game this week, um, and I asked the girls how many um, vaccine ingredients they could recognize, and the only ones they can recognize. Um, so basically, Megan's convinced if she eats uh, <laughs> Chinese pork, because <laughs> it was like, um, oh, what was the one for the uh, influenza?
1: MSG, it has MSG in it. It had it MSG, been, it had, MSG, but had
0: hydrolyzed porcine gelatin, which is basically. Um,
1: gelatin from, a, from
0: from from pork. pork. Yeah, from pork. Yeah. And so she joked and she's like, <laughs> oh, and it has sucrose in it, that. Well, that one's good too. Mm.
1: But the MSG, you see the MSG, monosodium glutamate? Yeah. yeah.
0: But we looked at some of these words and, and none of us really knew much of any of the ingredients. We looked them up and you know, a lot of them, like there's antibiotics in there too. So you're taking the antibiotic and directly injecting it directly into your bloodstream and your brain. Um, but like we talked about some of these in an in, in early podcast, you know, I mean, I've got the list, it's from the pink book, you can go to CDC, uh, this one's the 13th edition from 2018, I haven't seen the 2019, it hasn't surfaced yet. Um, I have a suspicion that it's probably not gonna surface this year because it's become very controversial. I'm getting edited on Facebook. I'm getting edited on my Google searches. I can't find stuff that I used to be able to find on Google. Um, Understand that, you know, when you're looking for freedom of information, when we were doing our our homework for this podcast, a lot of it was coming from books and websites. But, you know, I kind of, this is a tangent, but I feel like we need to buy books. Yeah, because you can't erase books. Like if I have a book in my house, you can't come. If you come to my house, take my book and burn it, then that's that's communism. I'm leaving. I'm that's plan B. You'll find me in Costa Rica. I don't want to say that out loud, because then they'll come find me. But that's where I'll be. Because I'll be quite frank, like when the government starts to mandate things, what do we say the efficacy and the safety, the effectiveness from last year, like the last few years, it was like hit or miss with the flu vaccine, right? It was like like 15, 20%, maybe 40% and max or something like that.
1: So here is another, this is actually from the CDC. Recent studies show that flu vaccination reduces the risk of flu illness by between 40 and 60% among the overall population during seasons when most circulating flu viruses are well matched to the flu vaccine. During years when the flu vaccine is not well matched to circulating influenza viruses, it is possible that little or no benefit from flu vaccination may be observed. The thing that's interesting about the flu vaccine specifically is that in the spring a group of people get together and kind of determine what they think the most likely strains will be coming out in the fall 6-8 months from now. It's almost like a crapshoot really because how do you how do you really know? No. So sometimes they choose correctly and sometimes they it, don't. It's
0: not a crap shoot; it's winning the lottery. Yes. And we said this in another podcast, um, I want that guy picking my lottery numbers every year because I'm gonna win the lottery every year according to the CDC.
1: So according to the CDC, between 2004 and 2018, the influenza vaccine was less than 50% effective, preventing circulating strains of influenza for 10, out of 14 flu seasons.
0: So wait, you said
1: 50-50, really? 50% in 10 out of 14 in three flu seasons, the influenza vaccine was only between 10 and 21% effective. And I recently looked this up, I believe last year was actually close to, as in 2018 was around a 40% uh, efficacy rate, mm. but 2017 was in the 20% range. So. You know, some people might think that's worth it. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe you have a 20% less potential of getting the vaccine or getting the flu or maybe a 40% less. But the thing that you really need to be mindful of is what else is happening? What are you putting into your body? As we talked about, you're choosing from the grocery store what you want to put into your body. What is it that you're putting into your actual bloodstream? Like do the research, look at things, figure it out for yourself then make your
0: decisions well you know absolutely correct yeah you, you had a lot of points that i want to talk about and the first being that you know your lifestyle is the biggest determining factor whether you get the flu or the cold yeah um the next thing is you know if if you want to buy into the idea that vaccinations work and there's you know a, an effectiveness of less than 50 percent you're literally flipping a coin I'm i'm sorry um, and certain populations are at higher risk. So let's talk about that. So I'm going to keep this individual anonymous because he's going to know who he is. Um, when I mentioned this topic, he got really excited. And he said something to me that really kind of stood out. He said that uh, his father had passed recently uh, within the last year. And he watched the decline in his health ever since the flu shot because he had a double dose because he was at that age of risk. So within the flu shot, I think within four months he was dead. Wow. And, and the crazy thing was, is he, he actually sat down with his family and thought that there was a risk factor there. And mind you, this was a year well, like I think a year ago. So there's no way of reporting it to the NVIC and, and VAERS and getting compensation, which by the way, they pay about $400 million a year in hush money. Um, but they still make a couple billion in profits. So don't worry, they're not going anywhere. But that's somebody's dad. Yeah. You know, and that was somebody's child in, in the Walmart. And and I don't know about you guys as listeners, but, and I don't have kids and, and, and I love them. They're, they're fun in the practice and I love seeing them out in the community, but I couldn't imagine if I had a child and then I did what a doctor told me to do, which he told me was very safe. And all of a sudden they're having this reaction. I mean, I've seen like seizures in real life and they're freaky. it terrifying. is like, you're completely, you don't know want to do you're like, no, I can't, as a terrible. doctor, I can't do anything, terrible. you know? Yes. So when we mentioned side effects and, and the known risks, I think it's really important. It's not anti, it's not pro it's just in, informed consent. And I really want you guys as listeners to kind of hear our voice and we're going through, we're sitting literally looking at documents right now and referencing websites and pages for you so you can do your homework. You know, I, I don't care what you think about my voice and my opinion. Again, I'm not your doctor, and if I am, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you to make an informed consent, and I'm definitely not telling you what to do with your kids. I want you to make that decision, because I want you to feel comfortable with the the outcome of that. Because if I told you to get a vaccination, your kid had a stroke or a seizure or a brain problem, that's on me.
1: So here's the other thing that's kind of important to think about too, when we look at childhood vaccinations, Mm -hmm. is we're talking about the research that's being done is on a single vaccination. Mm. They're not looking at what it means when we're putting
0: groups of them together.
1: Multiple vaccines, and not even just like the MMR, where you're getting three, you know, measles, mumps, rubella and right, right. one vaccine with the schedule that's recommended for children.
0: Have you seen some of the videos of kids getting vaccinated? I sure have. There's right? like like holding them down, there's like a needle in one arm, each arm and then okay. each leg. It's like four at once and that's probably like four to six vaccines at once. And some
1: once. of the guillain barre type syndromes Ooh, that are happening shit. with the HPV vaccine in these like 12 and 13 year old girls, yeah. it's scary. They can't move without just excruciating pain. It's unbelievable. And again, not that you shouldn't be getting these things, but do your research and know what's happening.
0: Well, when your increase in cervical cancer increases with the damn vaccine versus without it, I'm sorry, but don't put your daughter at risk for that.
1: There's a lot of HPV strains and the vaccine only covers a handful at most. And there are multiple in addition to those that are cancer causing. So you still need your pap smears. You
0: still need, sure. you know. Well, your... we talked about this before, the early detection with yeah. breast cancer awareness yeah. last month. It was really about early detection and not prevention. So today, same thing. What I wanna to talk to you about is prevention of cold and flu. And if you get a shot and you think that you can still live a crappy lifestyle, go eat and binge on sugar and not sleep and be stressed out and then you're gonna blame not getting the flu shot because you're sick, that's a bunch of bullshit. Stop, stop telling yourself that. Tell yourself this, you're in control of your health to 90 to 95% of a degree, that's your lifestyle. The genetics, the environment, the germs, yeah, I get all that. I mean, I'm around sick people every day for 20 years, I don't think I've been sick but a couple times. People sneeze on me. They throw up on me. They, well, anyway, I mean, so I get, oh you're my God.
1: day immune responses to that. It's thank like you. like your own little immunization. Yep.
0: So I'm getting yep. uh, small doses and micro. So thank you patients. When you come in when you're <laughs> sick, I'm getting healthy.
1: So, um. So let me just read this other quote. Most vaccine related research focuses on the outcomes of single immunizations or combinations of vaccines administered at a single visit. Although each new vaccine is evaluated in the context of the overall immunization schedule that existed at the time of review of that vaccine, key elements of the entire schedule, the number, frequency, timing, order, and age at administration of vaccines have not been systematically examined in research studies. So we might have, this doesn't hurt you, this is proof that this is safe and you're not gonna have a reaction and you're gonna develop immunity because you get one vaccine not the CDC's childhood vaccine schedule recommends all children receive 69 doses of 16 vaccines with 50 doses of 14 vaccines given between the day of birth at age 18. The majority of children in the US today receive three times as many vaccinations as children received in 1983. And I imagine that. Say that, in, say
0: that last part one more time. I think listeners need to hear that. 1983 is
1: probably way more than it was when we were born.
0: That's what I was a kid then. The
1: majority, yes, well, I'm older than you. <laughs> the majority of children in the US today receive three times as many vaccinations as children received in 1983. And I don't know about you, but I was I mean I was born in, in 75. I was vaccinated you know my, my parents were on bandwagon with everybody else. Yes. I got the chicken pox and I developed my own immunity to that. I didn't have any major reactions that I'm aware of in regards to vaccines, although I do have an autoimmune condition. Hmm. I can't help but wonder if maybe that was triggered when I was vaccinated as a child.
0: Let's talk about that because I had s- way take- less than yeah. they're getting. Okay, let's talk
1: about how about your
0: antibiotic use? Do you take antibiotics?
1: Only when it's absolutely necessary. When
0: you were a kid though, before you had control over your health.
1: I'm sure I did. Okay. I don't really know. I wasn't a sick
0: child. I was. So let's talk about that for a minute because I, I, I'm I'm interested to hear your perspective on this. Um, at the doctor probably once a month this time of the year, like multiple times a month, like almost on speed dial, going to the, the medical doctor. You were? Yeah. Um, I drank my milk, I eat my That's
1: why food. you drink your milk. <laughs> yeah,
0: I had all my, you know. All sorts of
1: mucus. All my healthy. Growth hormones. Yeah. yeah, that's not healthy.
0: So, got all my flu shots and all that stuff, and and I was sick, I was the sickest kid on the block. But you know, I'd look at just my stress level, um, like physical, chemically, yes. and emotionally, emotionally. Yes. Like, Poor diet because I like I was a kid, like I always wanted to eat candy, and and I like, told him about like Halloween night, like, like, smuggle candy in my room, and like I would eat it. Um, if I could eat junk food, I would. I was, I loved it, and so but I mean, we had a very stressful upbringing, childhood, and
1: so both of those things are, de- yeah. are decreasing. The and then
0: other than in Michigan, which is a, a depressed state, cold, cold, and cold. it was cold, it was a depressed state, and. For many reasons. So
1: energetically, even probably yep. what was a, what was surrounding you was depressing the immune system. Mm-hmm. The sugar was depressing your immune system. The stress was depressing your immune system. The weather was likely depressing so your immune
0: system. So up till age 16, I was like that kid that was always like sniffling, sneezing, was sick, and then. And you were
1: probably eating foods like I don't know dairy milk yeah. that you're intolerant to that also depresses your immune system. So
0: I'm going I'm to flip the coin for a moment, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about meeting a chiropractor and. This is, this is the kind of direction I'm going, and I, and I hope you all listen to this closely because I think this is where my journey started. So I met a chiropractor and started getting adjusted. When my nervous system was working better and more effectively and efficiently handling the stress of everyday life, my, my, my immune system was also being uh, boosted. And according to studies that we've been researching and posting in the office, it's between two and three hundred percent after an adjustment for up to eight wow, hours. Your awesome. immune system is 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 a rock star. It's like white blood cells are fired up, they're ready to gobble up everything in their path. So starting adjusted at 16, and then the first question was like, Hey, do you drink dairy? And my my chiropractor's like, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but here's what you need to know. You the dairy. <laughs> the industry is producing milk from cows that's designed for baby cows. And he asked me a question. He's like, are you a baby cow? And I said, Nope. But I started to wean off the milk. Um, at which point I went to a vitamin shop and that was a a local place in my town. And I started to look into greens and like blue green algae and all these like phytonutrients and stuff. So when I was 16, I started, I started to go in that direction where people were like, my friends like, you're weirdo dude. What are you taking all this shit for? Like, you're 16 years old, I'm like, so I'm faster than track team. I'm still like out running and outperforming most people in life, I'm, I have always had like, my massage therapist, like, where do you get this energy from, like, where, where, where? I'm like, it's from my lifestyle, my food, you know, yeah. and I think this is a pivotal point that I'm, I'm bringing up is because at 16, I said, you know what, I'm done with this bullshit of just being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just was done. You know, I, I was fed up. Like when you're a kid and you can't go play, enjoy, live because you're sick and you're laid up with a fever and a cold, done. Yeah. So 25 years later, not only am I remembering just a handful of times I was probably, I think the one time I really remember being sick I moved in the middle of August in Atlanta and I like was wiped out, dehydrated. I couldn't get out of bed the next day. But then the next day I was like, boom, I'm I'm done. I'm back to normal. But like, there's like three days in 25 years, I can remember maybe a couple, or I was like sick. And where I'm going with this is I've changed my lifestyle. I've not introduced any, not a single one vaccination into my life in 25 years. I haven't done any medications, no antibiotics. I've done no single prescription in 25 years and i'm really proud of that and i want you guys as listeners to know that there is an option a way and an opportunity to be healthy without medicine if you use more of your food and your herbs and things like that and we'll talk more in other episodes about cbd and phytonutrients and juicing and all this stuff you know this podcast is really about getting your immune system boosted getting a focus on what you can control not listening to the white lab coat and just doing what they tell you to do and expect you're going to be bulletproof, um, it's not that way. You're not going to just, you know, survive cold and flu season because you got some magic shot in your arm and then your shoulders don't work the next day. Um, I want you all to know these podcasts are going to be informing and and helping you to have the tools necessary so you can make better decisions. And really, what I want from today is this understand that there's a series of events about to happen and when you start to analyze them and look at them in your own life and when you get sick or if you get sick this year just look back on what happened in the previous weeks and months um, and see if you can answer those questions of what really was stressful you know i think there's some really good books out there that you probably could arm yourself with Um, i'm big on reading i know dr Kenneth is as well that's why we're a lot smarter than most people is because we actually read things other than facebook Um, and care about our health and our well-being. So we're doing the work for you. Um, I know Dr. Ken has got some great books that she wants to turn you on to. So what are some of those books that you recommend reading if you want to learn more?
1: Well, this is something that I actually find really fascinating because if you you look at, there's a lot of autoimmune diseases out there. And if you have one autoimmune disease, then you have a high propensity for developing another. Yes. And basically what an autoimmune disease is, is that your immune system is mounting a response as it's meant to be doing. But what it's mounting a response to looks very similar to your own human tissue. So for instance, if we're looking at something in the way of food intolerances, gluten looks a heck of a lot like the thyroid. So it's very common when you have an autoimmune hypothyroid, which is called Hashimoto's, that you're also gluten intolerant, and every time you eat gluten, you mount an immune response, constantly looking for gluten, and when they don't see the gluten, they see your thyroid, and they attack. There is also a strong correlation for autoimmune conditions with vaccinations because when again you're putting either a live or a dead vaccine into a a virus or or bacteria or something into the bloodstream because you're asking your body to mount an immune response so that you have antibodies so that when you do or when you are exposed to the actual illness you already have those antibodies ready to mount a response so the, the thought is they can take care of it before you actually get sick doesn't often happen. I have many friends, I work at a hospital, everyone's required to get vaccinations, and people are still getting the flu. And they tend to have a worse response oftentimes than their family members who didn't get the flu vaccine, who are also getting the flu.
0: Very interesting.
1: I personally have an autoimmune condition. And so my concern and fear is, if I mount my immune system artificially with a vaccination, am I going to exacerbate one, my current autoimmune condition, Or am I going to perhaps initiate the sort of creation of a secondary one? And so there is a book called Vaccines, Autoimmunity, and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illness by Dr. Cowan. I mean, there's a lot of books out there. Everybody's probably who have children are familiar with Robert Sears. He does a lot of
0: um, of information. Mm -hmm. He has
1: the vaccine book, Making the Right Decision for Your Child. I think that there are some vaccinations for children that absolutely make sense. The risk versus benefit, far outweighed on the benefit category. Name,
0: Name one. Hib B. Okay
1: but hmm. I think there's a lot that don't. So right. I think that the thing is- Why, Why Hep B? Not Hep.
0: Oh, Hib. Hibs. H-I-B. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me look it up on my list from the CDC pink book, Him. So you keep talking, I'm gonna look this up.
1: But I, I mean, I think that the, the real understanding and idea is you need to know what's in the vaccinations that you're giving yourself or your children. You need to know what your risks are before the vaccine. <laughs> And what the potential is for worsening
0: that. Let's go back to your concern, which is HIB B. So I'm looking at the list of uh, excipients and ingredients and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Of those, I'm seeing, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast like 50 some, 60 some vaccinations I counted. Um, Those three are containing the least amount of ingredients.
1: The HIB B is
0: have the least amount of ingredients. They're and literally... they have a
1: very high high potential for death, that particular disease. That
0: disease, okay, okay.
1: So that's part of why the risk versus the... Um...
0: Well, there's still formaldehyde in there, and there's still...
1: Um... And just so everyone's aware, formaldehyde, basically, formaldehyde's the brain. I mean, it's
0: yeah. I mean, as so, aspartame. So you and I, uh, we went through our, our experience in, in medical school, chiropractic school, whatever you to call it. Did you have anatomy? Of course. Did you have the central nervous system anatomy, like like a specific class for central nervous system?
1: Yeah. Um, I remember we dissected the, the human body. We yeah. dissected the brain. In the brain,
0: right? I remember the the bucket of brains. Um, so I was usually the kid that had to go and like grab the bucket of brains.
1: Talk about formaldehyde. And
0: it was <laughs> such days. a smell that oh, I so never unbelievable. forgot. If I smell it now, I like I like get tra- I you. get transported back to like
1: i felt things. high yeah oh i was high it for sure it was so intoxicating especially when you're there like three or four hours
0: after hours way. yeah no Yeah. Leo. No. no yeah <laughs>
1: that's
0: interesting does that mean that we're gonna have problems um i didn't
1: spend enough hours in that lab to have problems
0: <laughs> i did uh, because i was a slow learner but what i'm doing now is to reverse and and try and clean some of that up um, so back to the what could people do because I want to wrap this up because I don't want to run too long.
1: So if you're looking specifically with the flu, I mean make your decisions, but just be mindful about what's happening and recognize that the flu vaccine d- does still contain thimerosal, which is mercury, mm-hmm. which is a neurotoxin.
0: And formaldehyde. And formaldehyde
1: and MSG. Well, let's go. Hold and on. formaldehyde actually it, you know, same thing that aspartame and some of the and artificial it, sweeteners do, they formaldehyde the brain, they're basically, they're preservatives, they're yeah. preserving the brain, which keeps the brain from functioning fluidly, which is what you want.
0: I think MSG is only in the flu mist, the one that you put in your nose, okay. which is funny. Um, but they it's all- a
1: live virus, I think. All, all, the, rest them, all no the rest
0: of them, all the rest of them are killed virus. They all have thimerosal as an ingredient. Yes.
1: Pretty Ex- much all of the flu steps. vaccines do.
0: Influenza, flu sub, flu box. yeah, that one, um, and flu block. Those are the two. Yeah, flurix. That one doesn't have it.
1: I mean, here's the thing. I'll tell you. I work at a hospital, and they ask, and and pretty much you have to have a medical reason not to get the flu vaccine. Yeah. And I have a medical. reason. And you reason do absolutely but i'm required to then wear a mask for 5 months out of the 12 months of the year and that to me is a little bit of a attempt of finagling me to get the vaccine cuz yeah. it's not comfortable to be the person So you know, one of the only they're almost in the like like ostracizing you like yeah. putting
0: like a it's almost like a dunce cap like yeah. ha look look at the dumb yeah. doctor over there she yeah. didn't she didn't she take didn't her flu cancer. shot
1: what's wrong with
0: her oh my gosh
1: but i'll be the one laughing in the end i think as opposed to everyone else. I agree. And it's worth it to me to keep the rest of my health in my control.
0: You know, that's a huge ending statement right there. I'm glad you said that, you know, to be in control of your health is so empowering. Um, I think you'd agree, Dr. Canada, that when we have the ability to make decisions, what to eat, how to move, you know, how to think, how to, to live your purpose and, and just be connected to why you're here. Those are things I think that are really, really critical Absolutely. in your overall health and well-being. Yes. Because health is not just the absence of symptoms. It's I think it's honestly enjoying your life. Like if you're not enjoying life and you're not doing what you want and where you're wanting to be in life, you're you're off the line, and that's pulling you into a state of dis- and disease and disease and problems. Where if you just simply kind of take a moment and reflect you got two and a half months not two months this year um, then we'll go into January but I mean if you're gonna make any type of decision for uh, a life change in January hey start now <laughs> you're gonna thank yourself by January you've started working out eating better eating cleaner um, more podcasts this year goals to hit a thousand so share the shit out of this please Um, I think there's about 100,000 people in this country that need to hear this, so send it to them. Um, What I want to do in the next few months is get you guys ready for 2020 because i got a huge vision. When I drop Podcast X into this loop, you're going to be blown away. Um, Other than that, have an awesome night. I want you to really enjoy um, life, have fun, really think about what you can do to clean up your lifestyle so that this cold and flu season you're not laid up on the couch missing all those fun opportunities in life with your friends and family and loved ones oh and i will be with you when the comes oh and i will be with you to feel california sun. oh and i